0: This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM.
0: Welcome, Original Series fans, Trekkies or Standard Orbiters. Well, you know, Enterprise has Boomers and Deep Space has Niners and Standard Orbit has, I don't know, Orbiters. So we're going to work on that. And fans of the Original Series to the very first show for 2016 with your new Standard Orbit podcasting crew, with the Refit crew, the Phase 2 crew. You see what I did there? I'm Norman Lau, and I have to honestly and sincerely say that I'm incredibly excited, incredibly proud to be sitting in front of this microphone tonight and recording the very first Standard Orbit for 2016 for all of you, our wonderful and dedicated listeners and supporters. But before we get into the show, because I am bolted down to the deck plating right now because I'm so excited to be here, but I want to make sure that you meet both members of the new team, and the first person I'd like to introduce... And you're, he's no stranger to the network. He's been on Warp 5 with me many times. Uh, he's our very own Trek FM's Mr. Ataz. I'm incredibly fortunate co-hosting this with one of my good friends, uh, Jeffrey Harlan, uh, who organizes all our yesterdays. So, Jeff, how are you?
1: I am doing great. Uh, you are uh, very late to the library. Uh, you need to uh, pick out your time, your period and uh, get get on your way.
0: Last time I checked, I think Zarebeth has already been spoken for, so I'm going to stay out of that snowy, wintry kind of, you know, I don't like snowy or wintry. It's kind of doing that in California right now. I don't dig it. So I'm going to jump back out and uh, sit here with you guys. And with us also is one of the associate producers for Olive Trek FM. He has been a friend to the network for a long time, and he is now the editor for Standard Orbit. And another original series enthusiast, and that is Ken Tripp. Ken, welcome to the show. Why,
2: thank you, Norman And Jeff, I can't tell you how happy I am to be here tonight. This is it. We're ready to launch. We have been talking about this for about a month now, and we're ready to take off. And you guys have been such a great team on Warp 5, and the chemistry's already there. And to, uh, to be aboard for the first show, it's truly an honor. So thanks for having me, and I'm ready to go.
0: It was funny We um to let all the listeners know because I love having you understand the behind the scenes of what's going on with the show. We had a little bit of a paint scratching instance here leaving space dock, but we have everything righted right now. We are priming the impulse engines and we're not going to go to warp just yet for fear of tearing a wormhole through the fabric of time and space. But before we get started with the show, I just want to take a moment for a little bit of station Canine. I have to say that station canine identification. And uh, Jeff, if you'd like to get everyone here up to speed on how all of our listeners, both new and old, can find us across the interwebs on Trek FM.
1: I just wanted to take a moment to remind our listeners they can discover an incredible amount of Star Trek podcast content by visiting Trek FM and you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at Trek FM and grab the RSS link as well. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes. And if you like what you hear on Warp 5 or any of the Trek FM shows or Standard Orbit, everyone, uh, please leave us a rating and a review, which helps us increase our visibility for new listeners.
0: Absolutely. And what's great about writing a review and for the show is that it not only gives us greater visibility, but it allows you to contact us and work with us to make sure that we're providing you the content that you deserve. You are our listeners and you're the ones who support us through all of the different ways that you see us on social media, on patreon.com. We're going to get to that at the end of the show, but we want this show to be about you and we want you to work with us because you're the ones who are listening to the show. We love talking about it, but we also wanna make sure that you enjoy listening to it. So that's type the kind of the purpose of this show. And the show is entitled Hailing Frequencies Open because we wanted to make sure that you had the opportunity to directly talk with us either through email, through voicemail, or through the Babel Conference, which is our dedicated fan and listener page on Facebook. So about a couple of weeks ago, probably before Christmas or holiday break, I asked a lot of you to participate in a discussion. And I wrote on the Babel Conference, one of the things I want to do is to hear from all of you, the listeners and fans and patrons that have supported Michael and Drew during the course of their voyage. And I very much would like to start off this new year, this new show, with understanding, and I love saying this quote because this is very much in the line of Star Trek, understanding the needs of the many and... The needs of the few, or even the one. All of you, all of our listeners. So please, either here or on an email, a tweet, a voicemail, please engage with me so that we can incorporate you, the fans, into the direction of the show. And we have, we have received an incredible amount of feedback. On the Babel conference. And that's very encouraging for us because we know now how hungry and how much you wouldn't hear more standard. I'm going to have to actually dial this back a little bit because Standard Orbit for Ken, for Jeff, and for me is something that's very important to us because we are original series fans. We've always wanted the opportunity to be able to express our fandom to you. Because the original series for us is where it started. Yes, we talk about Warp 5, Jeff and I do. And then, yes, Ken has also given us a lot of feedback behind the scenes on what he loves about Trek FM as a network. But in all honesty, when Chris gave us the opportunity to take over Standard Orbit when Mike and Jeff were leaving, I felt a huge responsibility. We felt a huge responsibility to make sure that this show is the show that you deserve. And that's why we want you to be a part of how we craft the show, because it's you who are also fans, either fans that are veterans all the way back to 1966, which means you're God, if you were 10 years old then or if you were 16 years old, then you are almost 50 years older since then, (laughs) you know, or new fans that are coming to the show because there are always new generations of fans that are coming to the original series. So. You know I've been talking a lot here, so Jeff, how did you feel when Chris asked us to inherit the show from Drew and Mike, who did a phenomenal job in their one hundred and ten episodes?
1: I was really humbled by the uh, the offer. Uh, this is something that uh, uh, just is really near and dear to my heart I, I grew up with the original series and I was that 10 year old kid when next generation came out. So I already had 10 years under my belt watching the original series at that point. And I just love star Trek. I do, you know, it's, it's my original, original. Uh, I've, I've been steeped in it for my entire life and this is just a real honor for me. And I'm, Very uh, excited to see where uh, we can take things and
0: where we're going to go with this series. You know, we're going to take a picture of this and post this on the Babel conference, but I do believe that Jeffrey is wearing a science office's Blue tunic for tonight, uh, which is fantastic. Indeed I am yeah. So uh, I, I we see where your first uh, first uh, allegiances lie in terms of the uh, in terms of the Starfleet discipline. So, but Ken, also you know, I remember when you first came on the roundtable, which is one of Trek FM's offerings for being a patron uh, donor for Trek FM. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you saying very passionately that the original series is, I believe it was the movie, the very first motion picture that really kind of struck a chord with you and kind of cemented your fandom in the original series. Was it not?
2: Oh, that's absolutely correct. So for me, it was Star Trek, the motion picture. And by the way, it is my golden anniversary as well. I was born two months after Star Trek aired, so I'm very old, so be patient (laughs) with me. But yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. I, I, I love the motion picture. And then I start, I, I did watch the series before the motion picture, but not as a fan, just as a light entertainment, I guess. And then I really, really got into it. Star Trek, the original series is home for me, guys. It really is. When, when you talk about, um, Star Trek, I automatically go back to Kirk Spock and McCoy and, and that Trinity. And whenever that there's an occasion to do something, you know, you, you'll see on the Babel conference, the rewatches and all that stuff. And you see the people that do the holiday watches of one of the original series motion pictures. I'm that guy. So I am into it big time, uh, working with you two guys with all the enthusiasm that you have and the knowledge that you have. Uh There's going to be a lot of fun trading. So I think some some very good stories, especially when we start getting into the episodes. And, and one of the things, too, that I'm really happy about this approach that you guys have decided to take on because... When it comes to putting on a good show, nothing, I mean, nothing is more important than the voice of the customer. And that's what we're trying to reach uh through this process and and using the Babel Conference and, and all the different methodologies that people can reach out and say, hey, this is what we want to hear. This is what we'd love for you guys to do. These are the things we'd love to hear you really dive into. This is what's really going to make it fun. So I think that um, the approach is very unique in today's world. We assume what people want. You guys are actually working at finding out exactly what they want so it can be provided so that's pretty special and well done well i think it's
0: really important that we connect with not just the original series fans of old but the original series fans that are coming on board and it's really important now especially in the 50th anniversary of star trek now we are in 2016 in star trek the original series debuted back in september of 1966 so We are at a very pivotal moment in fandom where Star Trek fans are starting to look at the rich history of what has come before. And it's really interesting because the original series, yes, it's dated. I'm going to put it out there. I know that some people will be maybe rolling their eyes like, yes, that's an obvious thing to say. It is. However, good storytelling Always withstands the test of time. And as we progress throughout all of these future episodes, what we want to do for you is to give you a new perspective on the social issues that are the bedrock trademark of what the original series is all about. So, but before we get into that, I just want to thank you everyone for participating in the Babel Conference discussion. And I want to jump right into the first point because. It's it's an interesting point. It's funny, and it's also something that's also part of a goal and part of the mission statement for this new show, this Phase 2 refit, if you will. Brandon Shea Mutala wrote, I would love to see episodes on some of the lower-rated fan episodes, where, where No Man Has Gone Before, The Lights of Zatar, The Alternative Factor, also books are always good to talk about. Now, for me, this is one of the goals here is I want to bring forth a lot of what never has been talked about uh, either on Standard Orbit or just in general, because there are episodes that withstand the test of time. Yes, to be sure, you have your cities on the edge of forever. You have your mirror mirror. You have balance of terror. You have the trouble with tribbles. You have everything that you go to uh, Amazon.com or iTunes or you find at Barnes and Nobles in terms of the what do I buy when I try and get into the original series? And they have the top 10 lists or the bests of. Those are all fine and well and good. But there is a wealth, a wealth in the 79 episodes plus the cage that you can't get into and the movies. But we'll get to that later. So what did you guys think about that when you heard that? Did that whet your appetite to find those episodes that you felt or feel are really worth digging up and talking about. Jeff, you and I talked about it before. I'm a huge fan of the Omega uh, the Omega Glory. I love Spectre of the Gun. We're going to talk about a lot of season three that has a lot of value to mine. What did you think about that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I really uh, relish the idea of getting into some stuff that hasn't really been covered too much before. And As much as some episodes have been maligned in the past, I think they all have something to offer, and even spock's brain as much as people beg on it i love it it's cheesy it's campy and it's just a lot of fun to watch
0: now because you're mr atas i'm going to put you on a spot a little bit here is there an episode right now in the back of your head that you've always wanted to talk about or if mike and drew on standard orbit before have covered it and you say like no i really 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 want to shed some new light on this particular episode what would that be for you
1: hmm there's uh, that that it's really hard for me to narrow it down, but uh, I'm thinking uh, maybe talk a little bit more about one like uh, the Tholian web. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's a little more of a popular one, but especially in light of uh, Enterprise's uh, Mirror episodes, that there's a lot more to that episode that can be talked about now.
0: And Ken, since you've had a little bit of time to prime yourself for a question like that what did you think about this question and i also want to ask you if you have a particular episode that's kind of been floating around that you've just kind of wanted to cover when you're listening to a podcast and we do this all the time when we listen to a podcast and you say like oh my god you know you're totally not talking about that right or i would totally bring this up what are a couple of subjects here that are important to you that you would like to see done
2: well, I do want to hit on season three a lot more. I think that there are some gems there. Before we started the show, you were talking about a great line out of Star Trek Five, right? And that is a much maligned movie. Mm-hmm. And there are some treasured lines in some of the least favorite episodes of Star Trek, right? And I could really get on you, Jeff, to... To do quote for quote here, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> so for me, that's that that's where the mining takes place. You know, some some things that are just really really funny, or some things that really impact the series down the line. And I would love to go into a lot of those season threes. For me, Spectre of the Gun is one of them. But when 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 you listen to just the the interplay uh, amongst the cast and some of the things that they have come up with and you know th- there's there's just so many and, and and one of them I'm trying to remember the name of the episode where where Kirk talks about um women and um Vulcan being the only place in the galaxy where, you know, the women are rational and logical. That was a classic line. And I can't do it justice. Jeff, you can correct me and do the correct uh, <laughs> speech later. But those are the things that, that I really enjoy is, is pulling those, those, those gems out of some episodes that maybe weren't big fan favorites, but you know, maybe four or five minutes here and there that, that, that made people, people laugh or made people think a little bit. And even when you mentioned Spock's brain, to me, You know, on, on Standard Orbit, there was, there was a, a, I don't know if it was Mark Cushman, I'm trying to remember who the guest was, who really talked about why that episode at the time was not the joke that it turned out to be later, because just prior to that, it was the world's first human heart transfer, right? Transplant, excuse me. And so the writers were like, wow, that's incredible. You know, in the future, we should be able to do a brain in theory and, that's how that genesis, they were being very, very serious about actually starting that show, not from a, a campy point of view, but from a, hey, this is what's happening today in history. So when we look back at these episodes, it's going to be uh, equally important that we we take a good look at what was happening at that time, which we always do, you know, and that's very easy to do in the Omega Glory and others. But in Spock's brain, that was a gem of information, and it changed the way I watched that episode.
0: You know, it's funny that we're dancing around the subject matter because in the second point that I wanted to bring up, that's exploring season three in more in depth in 2016. That comes from Greg Malumbi. Now, Greg is a huge supporter of the network. He is on the Babel conference all the time, and we thank him for like all of his feedback. And I really enjoyed reading this particular comment because season three for me uh, is... There's a lot of value in that season, and I know that it's not talked about a lot, just in general, not even like in prior standard orbit, just just in general as a season, because you know this is the season that that um, and Jeff, you and I have had this, and maybe Larry Nemachek if he's listening, can can uh, <laughs> clarify this. Is it Bio or Bo Trimble? I think it's Bo Trimble.
1: I'm I'm not sure. I but think I'll it was Bio. Uh,
0: is it Bio? I thought Trimble. It was Bijo. That's why I've heard it a few times. Because the letter-writing campaign that saved Star Trek from '68 to '69, that's where we were at least able to get a little bit more of the series towards the end. But some people felt that you know the funding was gone, Roddenberry was gone, de facto you know uh, different production perspective was in place, and it was a little bit more networky, and we were trying to drive the dollars in advertising. So it wasn't the Star Trek that people felt was. Season one. I mean, you weren't getting your Corbamite maneuvers. You weren't getting your balance of terrors. You know, you weren't getting your space seeds. I understand that. However, there is still a great amount and a wealthy amount of information that we can find in season three. So, Greg, absolutely. We are going to go a little bit more in depth there. And he also asked, uh, I hope you continue to bring guests like Mark Cushman and like John Tenuto on loved learning about Trek and behind the scenes stuff even though I haven't read these are the voyages now I have to say for all the people that are out there that are the original series fans the Mark Cushman these are the voyages books are a must have to be in your collection they really are uh Ken is flashing me right now um was that which what's on the spine is it T the O or the S it's got to be one of them. <laughs> Where are you believe- saying now? I see. On, on, the- on the spine. When you put all three books together, it says TOS on the upper area of the spine, which is really cool when you collect them.
2: Oh, well, the books are facing the wrong way for me to check that, but I'll find out for you. But <laughs> I have to take a walk the, around to take a look. I just the, had the version three up here.
0: The sheer archival content. That is happening in those books is something that you really, really, really have to have. Also, I really do like the Star Trek 365 book, and perhaps these might even be contest prizes later on as we expand uh, what we're going to do for supporting Standard Orbit. So thank you, Greg, for that question. That was fantastic. And yes, we would like to make sure that we continue an open door relationship with all of the guests that have been on standard orbit before. And of course, Larry Nemechek, Dr. Trek is always, always available uh, for any discussion that he would like to attend on standard orbit, especially when it has to do with Dr. McCoy or DeForest Kelly, because I know how much he loves D Kelly. So the next point I want to get to TOS commentary style coverage Uh, And forgive me, I forgot to copy who wrote this in, but the comment was, I love commentary episodes where the hosts will discuss an episode as they play it, watch it, whether I'm able to follow along with it or not. It's always cool and interesting to hear live reactions and comments. Now, um, Jeff, this is something that you and I have talked about on Warp 5. I've talked about it with Will, and I've talked about it with Floyd and Mike, and it's something that we'd like to get to. We haven't gotten to yet, but... I really think that since we all have copies of the original series in one form or another, heck, in in some cases, we could probably play back some of these episodes from memory. But it would be a lot of fun to be able to MST3K an episode like Arena, (laughs) which who doesn't love poking fun at a rock-throwing Gorn? I mean, come on, you know? Can you
1: find a rudimentary lady? Ex-
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wrote that on the Babel conference today because Guy Fleegman from Galaxy Quest is the greatest character ever, or excuse me, uh, security chief, Rock Ingersoll. So what do you guys <laughs> think about that? Do you guys feel comfortable um, all queuing up something to uh, the zero mark and just hitting play and just going for broke on having fun with a commentary episode?
1: We can all sit around the campfire and roast marshmallows.
2: Marshmallows. That's right. That's a very good point. I think it'd be a lot of fun with this crew and and especially with all the um, little facts and trivia that we'd have along the way. So yeah, it'd be a lot of fun.
0: I mean, we could do that for an episode. We can also do that for a movie. I mean, we have a lot of content. That's the beauty of actually covering 50 years worth of the original series content. At first, you would think it would be daunting because there are so many different ways that the 50 years of the original series has been covered. But That's the beauty of this also. And and I want to make this and and stress this as a point for our listeners. There is no right or wrong when it comes to analyzing and dissecting and digesting and making any type of observation or opinion about the original series. You know, whether it's true to Gene's vision, not true to Gene's vision. Do you remember when you just watched these episodes just for the sheer fun of it? When you want to watch something on a a rainy Saturday afternoon with a bowl of soup or just having friends over with popcorn, these are these great hallmarks of going back to the original series and just having fun revisiting and encapsulated time period from 1966 to 1969. That's what I love. I wasn't born in that time, but they've done such a great job of translating what was happening at that time through the medium of science fiction. And throughout the course of studying all of this and understanding the stories and understanding what all the permutations of what everyone went through to get these things produced, It's amazing that we were actually able to get three seasons of it because there was so much going on. But take all the knowledge that you know of Star Trek, the original series, and kind of apply it to what it means to you. How important is it to you? And how much fun are you having with it right now? Ken, I mean, we were having this discussion before we were recording this, and I know that Star Trek to me... Is something that means it's it's very deep in my soul, and I know it is for you. So, can you explain to? Do you feel comfortable explaining to our listeners right now what the original series means to you and why you are here, and 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 what you want to impart to them in terms of uh, what they can get out of our feedback?
2: Sure, for, for me, like like I said before, going watching the original series is like coming home. It's like an, another era. Uh, when I was growing up, it was, it it brings you back to, like you said, sitting, you know, maybe in front of a fire or being relaxed and, and, and getting lost in something and getting out of the real world for a little bit. And it just, it, it gives you that sense of calmness. Um, it gives you that sense of nostalgia, like we were talking about before. And it's so important to understand that each and everyone's opinion on, on, on what they got out of it, um, Can be shared and it can be appreciated, even if it's different from the way you look at it. And I always enjoy when people are very positive, even if they think, well, this is what I got out of it. That doesn't mean you were wrong in what you got out of it. It just means this is what they saw and this is what they felt because maybe this was what they interpreted at the time and when you watch it now it's that same thing because rewatching this series especially the remastered series it adds so much more it it, it brings it much more up to date and it allows you to still get lost uh and in, and in, in believe that this is what's going on in the 23rd century so you know I, I encourage people that when we talk about these episodes and you have a thought or an opinion to express it and if it triggers something in someone else Uh, respond, respond in kind and and tell us and and tell us how it impacted you. And through that, we'll be able to see it through another set of eyes. And the next time you watch it again, it'll have a different perspective. And that's what makes this so unique, because what other TV show, you know, Jeff, Norm, what other TV show is 50 years old and people still enjoy watching it? Name one that has lasted this long. You know, I, I feel more comfortable watching the original series And the original series movies than anything else. I enjoy all the other Star Trek. Don't get me wrong. It's all good. And I mean all of it. Even JJ. It's all good to me. I really enjoy it. But nothing, nothing tops me, tops for me than going back there and being able to immerse myself in some great original series Trek and and getting lost in it. And then the privilege and the honor of being on a show like this and partaking in the Babel Conference with hundreds and hundreds of other people, I, you can't beat it. So let's enjoy it. Let's have as much fun as we can uh, in terms of discussing it and, and just smile. You know, when, when, you, when you watch the show, you know, think back and, and smile. When you see somebody that writes something, you go, oh, that's crazy or that wasn't that vision or whatever. Take two seconds, smile, and then put your opinion down. But be respectful. And let's let's really, really take this show to the next level. This is going to be fun. You know,
0: the enthusiasm is just, it's <laughs> so great. I love it. I love it. And Jeff, I know that you, um, I mean, I, I know your love for Star Trek, the original series. I know your expertise in the original series. But I think it's really fascinating that you now are watching it with Megan, your wife. And I know that she doesn't have the kind of expertise that you have with it. But what does she get out of it that you can when you're watching and you kind of see the look on her face, like, is, is there puzzlement? Is there wonder? What do you see from your perspective to a new viewer like her that you think that it's just extraordinary, you know, 50 years later to see something that was broadcast 50 years ago? I mean, is there, is there something that you can share with our listeners that's just that they can gleam onto? Like, yeah, I understand that. That, that totally has transcended five decades of time.
1: Yeah, we've been uh, um, doing a rewatch right now. We're in the middle of uh, season one of Enterprise, but we've watched the original series episodes together before, too, uh, when we were still uh, back before we got married. And just watching the look on her face when she realizes some plot point that had been a mystery up until that point in the episode and just seeing it click that, oh, that's what's really going on or that's what happened... You know, it, it's just seeing that uh, it's it's really fun to watch when she gets something that I've taken for granted because I've seen it umpteen times over the last you know thirty five years, and it's it's just a lot of uh, a lot of fun to see it from a fresh perspective like that. And I'm I love hearing other people's perspectives on episodes that I've seen because it's not always the same and. ITIC, infinite diversity, infinite combinations. Everyone has their own viewpoint and everything comes together and we can all get together and talk about what we took away from it. And we all come away richer for it.
0: Absolutely. You know, and I'm glad you brought up that point because in a future episode, actually not so future, probably in the next episode or the next two episodes, what we're going to talk about is the power of nostalgia. And We take things for granted because much like a song or something that we've read over and over and again, or even our favorite food, if you have done it repetitively, so it tends to lose a little bit of its luster and you do kind of focus on the merits of it rather than the present moment. And what I want to do for all of our listeners is to focus on what we have done in terms of taking things for granted based on nostalgia Versus understanding things and appreciating them at the present moment. The great thing about Star Trek, especially the original series, because it has uh, 50 years of history behind it, is how it affects you over the course of your life. And that's another topic that I really want to talk about. Because when I saw Star Trek in my 20s, in college, when I met my best friend, who who, uh, we're both going to be attending the Star Trek Las Vegas convention together... It meant something to me different then versus what I believe it to be now. And I think that's very uh I think it's very common with a lot of people, you know, with Star Trek, especially when you apply all the different series to where you were or how it meant to you in your life. So I think that Definitely. Star Trek has a lot of history we can talk about. It's not daunting to be hosting this show and thinking about what to talk about because there's 50 years of such rich history. And you're right, Jeff, the I D I C, the infinite diversity and infinite combination, the Vulcan philosophy of being able to see things from so many different perspectives because that's what the logical thing to do would be. No one particular tenant is greater than the other. They are all viable up to a point. So, but I could digress for that. And we're going to get into the next point here. So, and this is a funny one because we all have this. Alan McDonald writes, Something I would really appreciate is more shows based on what you love about the original series or the original animated series. Life has way too much negative stuff in it already. When I listen to To The Journey or Earl Grey or Warp 5... I hear love and fun and appreciation for their series. Warts and all. No show is perfect, but accentuate the positive and downplay the negative, and I will listen as fast as I can. And Alan, that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that you're hearing our love and enthusiasm and passion for this show because I honestly would not be behind this microphone and doing what I'm doing right now if I didn't have it. Neither would Ken. Neither would Jeff. You know, we all have very busy lives. We all have an hour of our time or more that we're giving up to record this show for all of you. And we love the show, the original series, and want to show you that we have an infinite love for all of this stuff. So, yes, we have guilty pleasures. Who doesn't? I mean, for me, one of the guiltiest pleasures in the original series, I think, probably has to be... Well, Jeff, you mentioned Spock Brain, but I think for me, it's probably... Probably Spectre of the Gun. What about you?
1: Magics of Megas too. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> say that.
0: And and I think Aaron Harvey, who's our art director for Trek FM, would probably say the same thing. Ken, how about you? What's is there a guilty pleasure that uh, that you would like to air out here? Your dirty Trek FM laundry?
2: Oh, a line of Troyus. That's it. Oh, right. The lines, the lines in that that show were just hilarious. And you know, for any of us that have had to bring up kids, oh man, it just hits the point over and over again, <laughs> so that that's one of them when that's on it's it's come all stop, sit down, we got to watch this.
0: Are you saying it because he was a little bit on the spoiled side and needed to be spanked
2: uh, yeah, 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 although we never did that, yeah, but absolutely that's <laughs> it was just a, it, like I said there was when I was saying earlier that there's some gems and some brilliant lines in some of these. That's an episode where I bet when we talk about it or if we do a rewatch or commentary, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun because that that has a ton of them, Uh, whether it's the ambassador or Kirk himself or even Kirk's attitude, I just thought was outstanding the way he approached it. So that's my guilty pleasure.
0: I think if I have to like dial it back, because I say Spectre the gun a lot, because it's one of my favorites, I think I'll probably go a little bit deeper and say Gamesters of Triskelion, because <laughs> who doesn't like negotiating with three disembodied brains? I mean, that's like, you know, we're the greatest gamblers in the, you know, I love that. I mean, Kirk is basically trying to strut in front of three glass jarred brains for all the Quatlus in the universe. I love that. And maybe, maybe and the children shall lead just because it's, it's, okay. you know, <laughs> like I said, I D I C, right? Jeff, have That's you, right. I mean, you're, you're, Jeff is smiling like wider than a your cat right now. So you have to have a couple things you want to talk about. Well,
1: I, I'm pretty much the entire animated series is a guilty pleasure for me. Um, I love yesteryear. Uh, it's just one of the. Personally, I think it's one of the best episodes of Star Trek ever, oh, sure. um, and it's just incredibly well done time travel, and I'm a sucker for time travel. I, I love all that stuff. Uh, I was just really overjoyed when they made the, uh, the DTI series and novels, um, and like I said, Magic's Omega 2, you got uh, Mud's Passion, uh You've got all these other episodes, you know, counterclock incident. We finally see Captain April.
0: That's right. And That's right.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible because the uh, animated series, like at least half of the voices were all James doing.
0: That's right. He was an incredible voice actor. And I don't think a lot of people yeah. realize that. So you're saying that basically the bottom line is you wanted a pet Salot. Yes. I mean, who doesn't, right? except
1: and i i loved it when they finally showed a say lot on an episode of enterprise, enterprise
0: that's right you know when they were doing the the kirshara trilogy yeah and Yes, and Archer and T'Pol were trying to get through the, uh, get to um, the teachings of Sarek. So, uh, <laughs> but that's Warp Five, ladies and gentlemen. We're not here to talk about <laughs> Warp Five. So, uh, so next to to the next point, to the next point, and and yes, guilty pleasures are are rife in in the original series. But uh, Roy Frank Toddy actually uh, wrote, and the the subject is how the original series was a product of his generation. And he he asked us one of the things I would love for you to talk about. I'm sorry. One of the things that I'd love for you folks to do is look at some episodes from the standpoint of moments, whether they showed Trek to be a product of its time or showed Trek to be ahead of its time. One example is, that comes to mind is, of course, Turnabout Intruder for the former and for the latter, Balance of Terror, where the women outrank the men as she is about to marry and there's no talk of quitting and no sulking from him. Uh, we're talking about Lieutenant Tomlinson. And uh, when and he was the phaser operator and she was a little bit higher in command. and And it's all treated as no big deal. And you're right. But that's what Star Trek, the original series, was trying to promote. It was trying to promote a greater sense of fairness. Now, yes, we will go into Turnabout Intruder. And yes, I will make it a point of fact to focus on the fact that when Janice Lester says that you know your you know your starfleet does not allow women to be captains i'm not quoting that specifically but there is a retraction from Gene Roddenberry out there that basically said that yes we were wrong that we did not write that correctly that it did not it did not illustrate what star trek meant at the time and obviously through the next generation. And obviously through enterprise with captain Erica Hernandez of the second warp five ship, the Columbia, we know this not to be true. So yes, turnabout intruder was a mistake. I will say that on the air. I'll defend that position, you know, with anyone who wants to write in, because what Janice Lester said can be interpreted in entirety of different ways. But we know for a fact that number one in the cage, Major uh, Barrett was in fact, if anything happened to Christopher Pike, would have taken command and she was a woman. So knowing that, we know that Turnabout Intruder was not approached properly from that perspective. Uh, what do you guys think about that question?
2: Well, I, I um, if, if we go back to the balance of terror norm, where it was when we talk about it being really ahead of its time, not only was... I, I I wasn't sure that she was superior, but I do remember that if you think about it this way, that women in the U.S. Navy weren't allowed on combat ships until 1993. So think of it that way, right? So they had women on ships. They had women in combat, right? And we just mm-hmm. talked about women in combat being allowed and you know they've been in combat roles for a while now, but now they're officially allowed into combat. So Star Trek was way ahead of its time in 1966 or 1965, when that episode was created, I guess it was uh, 66, and then when you talk about Turnabout Intruder and you talk about a line, kind of a throwaway line to try to to fit a plot um, by another writer with most of the, you know, with with Gene Roddenberry kind of being off at that point and and not really fully engaged. Uh, I think if he had been there. It would have been something that was, that would have been caught and would have been fixed. That's my own opinion. I'm not positive. Uh, but we also know even from Star Trek four that there were female captains. Uh, that mm-hmm. was the first time I think we saw one in the Star Trek universe. Uh, Mr. Atars will correct me if I'm off on that one, but I do know that, that, um, you know, for the, for the most part, uh, when we start discussing these issues that we do have to look through it through the lens of the time that it was in. And I think there's a lot of things that we can admire about it. And then there's some definite, some critiques that we look at it through a 21st century lens. We're going to go, ooh, boy, they really weren't ahead of their times as much as we thought. And, um, you know, just just in the women's costumes and everything else that they they were forced to wear, I think, is fair game to discuss because it was very overt. And uh, that was very gene. So I think. Yeah. This is, this is a great topic to get on. It's going to be an interesting one. And I think it's, it, I don't think it's going to be as controversial as people think though, once we get into it. What do you think, Jeff?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page as both of you. And yes, you're right. Star Trek four, uh, captain of the Saratoga played by Madge Sinclair, uh, was the, <laughs> I believe that was the first on on-screen captain, uh, played by a woman, uh, But, you know, like you said, there was also number one, and she's in a position where if anything happened to Pike, she'd be taking over. Mm -hmm. I mean, very first episode. And that's also the only time in the original series that woman got to wear pants in uniform. Um, But, again, that's a product of its time, and... uh, Another push from one of the changes from the original pilot to the the later series was just a lot more primary colors got introduced because the color TV sets were a new thing at the time. Right. And and that's not so much of a, a concern later on uh, Star Trek. Um, and there's, there's just lots of things like that that we can talk about over the course of the next however
0: many episodes that we do. Well, sure. I mean, they always have like the pretty clear allegories like you know and let that be your last battlefield you know you had frank gorshin wearing you know white and black paint you know it's like and there's that whole Mm -hmm. aspect of racism very forcibly so on tv you also had a private little war which is also an allegory of uh, the arms race between um the u.s and and north vietnam you know who was uh who well actually north vietnam and south vietnam and how they were the arms race escalated uh the positions between um uh the the communist movement and the u.s involvement in that war so, sure, absolutely. I mean, those are things that they can definitely still be talked about because they are part of history. You know, we are dealing with a show that was rife and probably most trademarkedly so bringing up what was happening with the social aspects of the time. So, Roy, thank you for that statement. Uh, we definitely want to look more into that because I think probably over any other series and... I could be overstepping here, but I will. I think probably over any other series, the original series was most in tune with what was happening sociopolitically at their, at their time, at the time that those, the shows were being produced because I think to be topical and to be able to write very constructive and very compelling stories, I think one of the things that DC Fontana said that we wanted to be able to write what was currently going on through this, this guise of science fiction and in Deep Space Nine and Far Beyond the Stars, they also really touched upon that, what was happening with Captain Sisko's Benny and what was happening with the magazine medium of the time. He was writing the best story for that particular magazine, for that particular business, but they wouldn't allow him to go through it or being acknowledged by it because he was a black man in the 1960s. That was I think just to touch on D space nine, that was probably one of the most original series episodes that I've ever seen, even though it wasn't part of the original series because it touched on that subject matter and was so in your face and it was so absolutely poignant. So thanks Roy. And we will definitely take a look at that as we comb through more subject matter for uh, the future of standard orbit and another, and probably one of the last points we're going to make here uh, before we have to wrap the show up is the crossover with literary treks. Now, This is an interesting topic that was brought up because there are a lot, obviously, of the original series books. And even more currently, say, the autobiography of James T. Kirk that came out. How do we absorb that into our show and work with literary treks to bring this to Trek FM? One of the things that we have here on Trek FM is a dedicated show called Literary Treks that deals with all of the published material for Star Trek, for the, for the genre of published material for Star Trek. And as long as they have the first right to cover it in their show, I think that Matthew Rushing and Dan Gunther on Literary Treks, they have the ability to cover that first, and then they can talk to that about the subject matter with us. And I don't think that'll be an issue because there's so much going on with and Jeff, you can attest to this probably more than most because you have an entire Trekopedia dedicated to the chronolo- the chronological history of the releases of the books. So I'm sure there are a lot of subjects that cross over from book form to episodic form and vice versa. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there there are many, many, many books um, coming out uh, even to this day, you know, we've got more original series books coming out, especially for the 50th anniversary this year. There's like three or four that are scheduled to come out this summer. And uh, that's in addition to the well over 100 that have come out already in the past. Uh, there's And there's uh, all the comic books as well. And it's just a lot of of uh, material out there and literary trucks. It's really just barely been able to scratch the surface I mean, of it.
0: Yeah. Cause they have, they, they do to their credit. They read every single book that they want to cover for that show. And for Matthew and for Dan, I mean, that is a Herculean effort, but it's not just the original series mm-hmm. from 1966 that we're dealing with and everything that came, you know, from that time. Now you're also dealing with a lot of the literary works that are covering the new movies. So there is a a huge opportunity for us to be able to do some really nice cross pollinization of these two shows. Ken, are you, uh, are you a big reader? I mean, are you into the original series books? I mean, is that something that's comfortable for you?
2: Yeah, 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 uh, absolutely. And you know, I I'm, I'm taking on, I I've, I've read, I've read Mark Cushman's books and I I really enjoyed it. And that was, that that was a lot of reading. Now it'll be great to reference them, but uh, I've got return to tomorrow next and that's a massive book. And I think that that'll be a lot of fun. But back in the day, I used to read the novels in between the movies because that's all you could get. And mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking, as you were saying, it's like, yeah, I remember the entropy effect or different books that, um, you know, that kind of had that bridge. And it took place between Star Trek, the motion picture and Star Trek 2. So there's, there's a lot to pull from. I think for us, we could do something like that. But I think there's there's a lot of topical books when we talk about the motion picture. That you could pull, and I, I I read reread recently Chekhov's Enterprise. I don't know if you guys have read that, but that is
1: yeah, I've got that one.
2: Yeah, that is a funny book, and it's it's very self effacing, and and I love Walter Koenig. I love his writing. I love his his warped factors, his biography. So I've read all the biographies somewhat recently as well, too. And so I think, you know, as we go further and further down the road and, and we try to get into all the subject matter that we, we talked about today and how we'd like to take the approach, I wouldn't say the books are off the table. And, you know, I, I was listening to Matt and Dan on their last show, and uh, and I love their show. I really do. I, I, it does seem like they're, they're reading the more current books as they're coming out and the more comic books. So I think to go back into the Wayback Machine or some of the books that, that hit on the making of or how they did things or Nicholas Meyer's book, you know, View from the bridge, those types of things. I think those are definitely good things to listen to, and I think good good authors to um, to pull in potentially
0: and there again it's it's funny as every year progresses, there's always an opportunity for an author to be able to come back and and explore this universe and to create something new and just to add to this great pantheon of literary works and gosh, I mean being able to just talking about all these different subject matters it's it's funny. When I first was thinking about crafting this show, I was like, well, what are we going to talk about? I mean, what are the subject matters we're going to talk about? Are we going to just be stepping over what Mike and Drew did before? I mean, or what, how are we going to cover, like, just future content? And I can guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, what we've just scratched in terms of the surface from all of the feedback that we've received from the Babel conference. I mean, that's just the beginning. I mean, these are great points and a nice architecture for us to build on, but there's so much still left to discover from our viewpoints on the original series. So I'm truly excited and... We are coming up on um, one of the the things also uh, was um, someone asked us uh, on the Babel conference just to make sure that we keep it at a timely and lively pace. So we are coming up on uh, towards the end of the show, and I wanted to make sure that I gave Ken and Jeff the opportunity to... To, to basically express what they would like to also bring to the table in our discussion and what they want to get out of this show personally and something that fulfills them. So uh, as we're signing off here on our final thoughts, Ken, is there anything that you would like to also bring up that we haven't discussed in these finer points from the Babel Conference and, and your expectations for moving forward with the show?
2: I want to bring back that, that, that sense of excitement that, that we get when you introduce Star Trek to somebody for the first time, and you've been watching it for years and years, and I was thinking about that when you asked Jeff the question about when he watches it with Megan, you know, where they're at. My question, too, is 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 kind of where I want to get from the show, and that is, what was the reaction? What was the feeling you got when you got to sit down with Megan? Maybe she never watched Star Trek, and she knows that you're into it, never really understood it, and then all of a sudden gets it. Right. And when we talk about all these new fans coming, whether it's due to the new TV series that's going to be launched, whether it's due to the fan films, whether it's due to the JJ movies, it doesn't matter. If we're able to introduce that passion, that fun and get that reaction that, that I got with my daughter, I remember I really struggled to find people to bring with me and my family into the Star Trek universe. I, I was very much alone unless I was out with friends that, that enjoyed it or at a convention. That that sense of wonder, that sense of um, satisfaction, for lack of a better term, of hey, you get this. We're together. This is this is our family. This is going to be a lot of fun. That's that's what I really hope is to get those types of reactions and to hear about those reactions from the listeners also on the Babel Conference or through our guests and so forth that come up on the show. That's that for me is the most precious part of the whole thing is being able to open the door to new people that could enjoy this and to pull them into our podcast, hopefully as well, so that they feel like they're, they're part of this journey with us and and hopefully they're going to be excited and and get caught up into our, um, up into our, our tailwinds and, and and follow us down on this journey. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking about some of the things, uh, especially season three animated series. Those are things that I really look forward to talking about. Uh, we got the new movie coming out. I'm really looking forward to seeing that and getting a chance to talk about it when the new trailers come out, as we get closer to the release, that's something more that we can talk about. And that's going to you know, be something really exciting to see. And like you were saying, when, you know, watching this with my wife for the first time, uh, for her, um, we, you know, she'd never really watched a lot of Star Trek before. I mean, her uncle's a fan, and she watched it a little bit as uh, she was growing up, but not a whole lot. And we went and we saw uh, Into Darkness together. Um, I had watched the uh, 09 movie with her. Then we watched Into Darkness, and she was so excited to you know get in and watch this with me because it's something that I enjoy and it's something that we can do together and as we continue to watch she wanted to you know we went back and we watched more of the original series we watched uh, Wrath of Khan so she could find out a little bit more about that and as we continue to watch it it's went more from at the beginning was I'm going to watch this because this is something he likes and I'm going to do it with him to this is something that I like to do together and that's that's been a nice shift. And it's gotten to the point now, we're watching the first season of Enterprise, and there are things that she enjoys about it that I didn't when I first watched it. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I hated the theme song at first, and she loves it. And, you know, the theme song will come on for every episode. She'll grab a hold of me and start singing along. And uh, it's just a lot of fun.
2: That's awesome. That's what it's Absolutely. all about. Absolutely. What you just said right there. That is yep, what it's absolutely.
0: all about. And I just wanted to conclude with how excited I am for Star Trek in 2016. I mean, we have a lot of great content to look forward to, um, beginning with Star Trek Beyond and all the new podcasting content for Trek FM across all of our programs. I mean, especially the rewatch that's going on right now. Uh, we are at Enterprise and uh, it's our goal or it's the it's the network's goal to be able to... To watch as much as we can and cover every single episode uh, throughout the course of this calendar year, so that's fantastic. From Enterprise to Voyagers, and of course, we have the the exciting road to Star Trek Las Vegas uh, in August, and and most importantly, the return of Star Trek. To television in 2017. I mean, that's just, it's a very exciting prospect. And I just want to make sure that, uh, that you all know, I mean, how much we're looking forward to, this is your team. This is, you know, we, we are your hosts and, and we want to connect with you even further. You are fans, our listeners, and, and thank you for everybody for participating for, uh, that Babel conference segment, because we are here for you you know we are here to discuss your wants and desires and your ideas as long as as much as we do our own so please continue to bring that that uh, those great ideas in in for the programming in the weeks and months ahead please also be a little bit patient with us we're still working through the kinks of our format uh, the opening might change, you know, we might have some different segments working here and there. Uh, we'll shake it out in a couple of weeks, you know. I mean, even Scotty says in five, you know, I knew this like, the you know, I know the ship like the back of my hand and he walked right into a an overhead beam. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're doing the best we can. You know, we are uh, we've inherited this show from two great hosts and uh, Mike and Drew and and we're really proud to make sure that we continue the great tradition of quality that they brought to standard orbit orbit for you know over 110 episodes so thank you to them you know for doing and laying that groundwork and again it's nothing that you know, Scotty can't handle. So I'm pretty sure that your team here, Jeff, Ken, and myself, uh, we are dedicated to making sure that this is a podcast that you are proud to listen to, and it's worthy of the hour, hour ten minutes, hour fifteen minutes of your time on a daily, uh, not a daily basis, but on a weekly basis as we put these out. So thank you for listening, and thank you for participating, and please always stay in contact with us. We love talking about Star Trek. That's why we're here. So, but that, you know, talking about standard orbit in 2016, that's not the only topic we've been talking about here on Trek FM this past week. So here's a quick look at some of the other things me have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, the orb.
1: He requested, you know, a an officer to serve with him yeah. on purpose, you know. He understands. You make this their own. We can't. I he did it
0: on purpose. I could see him like accidentally requesting a Victorian officer. <laughs> oh man, I-, hey, I checked the wrong box on the form. Damn. <laughs> the ready room. Actually, I think at this point, Vulcan Love Slave was probably just a short story, right? It hadn't been turned into a full. <laughs> That's right. It's not a full blown novel.
1: novel at that point. Yeah, it's yeah. just
0: fanfic. It's just fanfic. Yeah, just <laughs> fanfic. <Right. laughs>
1: just on the internet, people started writing after first contact there in Montana. <laughs> to the journey.
0: It's a very much the genesis of Seven of Nine. Genesis.
1: Genesis. Genesis allowed us not. Sorry.
0: Commentary, Trek Stars.
2: The fact that this came out right in between Oceans 11 and Oceans 12, where you've got filmmakers who are at the very tip top of their game.
0: Oh boy, here comes the Soderbergh speech, everybody. Strap yourselves in, we're going to Soderbergh. The 602 Club. But I mean, we, we talk about the ending and we're sort of dancing around it here. I, I have to know, because when this book first came out, And every time I look at the cover, I'm reminded of this. This is the first time I can consciously remember a piece of artwork having to do with the story spoiling the ending for me. Literary Treks.
1: Just so many great lessons here about, look, life is not safe. But it's good. If you can get through it, you know, and... Bind together with those people around you and go through it together. That's how you make it, is together.
0: Women at Warp. She's the communications officer first. She can be Spock's girlfriend second.
1: So how do you think people would respond if you said, Describe who Carol Marcus
0: is after seeing this movie? Uh, she looks nice in her bra. Meta Trex. I looked it up and ornare is the Latin word for to adorn. That's fascinating. So I looked up breka, and it turns out the same spelling, B R E K K A, is Old Norse for slope or hillside. And that, listeners, is something you will only get right here on MetaTrex. Better living through etymology. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Now, one of the ways that you can continue to express your fandom in Trek FM is to connect with us. And to be part of the program that helps fund this network called Patreon, patreon.com. And what the patreon.com slash Trek FM program does for us is it helps us fund the resources that we need to make sure that we can bring this content to you, not only for Standard Orbit, but for all the shows on Trek FM, from Warp 5 to To The Journey to Earl Grey to all of the shows, Mission Log and... Of course, the Ready Room, which is our flagship show, Hyper Channel, all of these shows have to be housed in a service, and that service needs funding. And that's what Patreon.com helps. So, Ken, I know that you have come through the network And come up to the network from your contributions on Patreon.com. So could you tell our listeners how they can connect and express and support their fandom by looking into what the offerings of Patreon.com may have for
2: them? Sure, Norm. So... Norm's right. I, I was, um, I found the network a, a year and a half ago, roughly, and, uh, signed up, uh, and, and got associate producer credits, uh, for several shows and have expanded over that time. I guess, uh, associate producer of the network, as they're saying now. And there's been so many perks along the way, but here's, here's a few of them. So for $15 or more, you get to contribute on the Patreons Roundtable, which is now a, a bi-monthly, uh, podcast that's hosted by Will Wynn and Christopher Jones. And it's, it's a great forum for everybody to come together and just talk Star Trek. Uh, I was on it back in June, uh, with Jeff and you to start this whole thing. It was a lot of fun and the shows have only gotten better and better. And you're seeing more and more people get on and the content and the, and the stuff that's being talked about is, is a lot of fun. Uh, as well as if you get to $25, you can be an associate producer of the network and uh for for the show of your choice and get associate producer credits uh at at the end of every show so that's that that's a big boon it's kind of a cool thing i always enjoyed sponsoring a show and and, and being recognized for that and and being part of the team and you know it, you just don't know what doors are going to open I'll, I'll tell you that much because starting off with patreon uh i i was just a happy listener and a good contributor and then oh this roundtable comes up oh this opportunity comes up now I'm on the first show of of a new phase of, of standard orbit. I cannot believe it. I'm still pinching myself i uh, been going to be editing the show. So, you know, if if this hour-long show we're talking about turns out to be a roughly about 26 minutes of Only Me, it's a sheer coincidence. <laughs> so don't worry about it. But um, anyway, we uh, I, I, I've been an enthusiastic supporter of this network and what it represents for, for, for a little over a year now. And I encourage you to do the same because there are a lot of costs that, that come along in, in putting this together, not only in time, but as Norm was saying. So please, if if you can, anything help. And it's very, very much appreciated.
0: You know, along with Patreon.com, and that's one way to support. There's also another way to support, and that is wearing... Your Trek FM fandom, yes. You can also find great Trek FM themed merchandise through redbubble.com. Some of the proceeds of that go to help fund our network and you have some fantastic designs that have been created by our very own art director, Aaron Harvey, and um, and it's incredibly talented and very passionate artist who has given us a great identity. Uh, And there are great offerings there. There is uh, Andy's... Legendary now Ninja Cat. Uh, there are so many different logos: the Lizard Baby logo, the the Monster Maroons team. There's just so much stuff there. So take a look at Redbubble.com. Type in TrekFM in the search field, and you will find a lot of ways just to emblazon your fandom across your chest and wear it proudly. From the the up uh, the updated TrekFM logo to a logo of the show of your choice. You can do it in t-shirt form. You can do it in hoodie form. I'm sure there are options now to be able to do it on, lo- on mugs, however you want to express yourself. But that also helps us tremendously. And that's great advertising for the network to be able to walk down a hallway during some type of convention and say, hey, where'd you get that shirt? You know, you're advertising Trek FM. So that's fantastic. I love my shirt. I'm sure everyone is very proud to wear the paraphernalia that they're wearing. So please, again, redbubble.com and then type in Trek in the search field.
1: I will say that uh, I have one of the word cloud shaped like the Enterprise shirts that's just incredibly awesome. Mm-hmm. And I set my phasers to Troll and I wore it to the opening day of the Force Awakens. And how that
0: how that work out for you?
1: <laughs> that was actually uh, very well received. I was in Wisconsin at the time, so they've... Uh, Got a little bit better sense of humor than uh, my neighborhood, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I was able also to uh, point out that it had the Six O Two Club on it, and they talk about Star Wars a lot.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> yes, you're right. The Six O Two Club—that's Matthew Rushing's show, and uh, we have a dedicated thread there for Star Wars because that's all things geeky there on the Six O Two Club. So, yes, there are so many different ways to be able to connect with us on Trek FM, and. I have to say thank you, of course, to our associate producers, as always, Renee Roberts and Richard Rutledge. Thank you so much for your support on Standard Orbit. You can find Renee on Twitter at MRESS, that's M R E S S underscore 1701, and Richard at R U T 8972. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Richard. And thank you, Ken, uh, because you're an associate producer for all the shows on Trek FM. Thank you for your support. Again, we can't do this without uh, the help of that funding. And if you feel so inclined to do so, either from the inspiration that we've given you from this show or any other show, your donations and your support are greatly appreciated. Now, as I said before, we want you to contact us. We want to hear your feedback. We want you to make sure that you're... Your voice is being heard. I almost sound Scotty there. So your voice is being heard. Maybe Scotty is channeling through me right now. I don't know. I'm so excited. That was so, pretty good. Yeah, thank you very much. You're so, welcome. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on Trek FM slash contact and look on the sidebar on the show page. You could also go to speakpipe.com slash Trek FM and leave us a voice message or a subspace signal because the hailing frequencies are open. So please take advantage of that um, at least as Uhura is on her duty shift. You can also contact us through Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook, facebook.com slash And as I mentioned earlier, the Babel conference, type the Babel conference that's B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at TrekFM and click discussion on the menu bar. Now I can't encourage fa- uh, the Babel conference enough on Facebook because that is where a lot of of our feedback is coming from that's a lot of uh, a lot of energy and a lot of just great enthusiasm is coming from the fans there and please stay engaged with us there shout at us there get in touch with us there that's where we want to answer your questions that we that's where we want to engage with you our fans and that's probably the best place to do it since i think the three of us are always engaged on there i know i am i know jeff is and we want to make sure that we are hearing you and making sure that we are representing your voice here on the show. You can also contact us through our different specific ways of of, of engaging us um, individually. So, Jeff, if our audience wants to get in touch with you on anywhere through Subspace, how can they do that?
1: Well, email was invented by little old lady in Leningrad.
0: In yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh
1: yeah, so like you said, I'm on face on Facebook on the Babel conference all the time. Um, I uh, also uh, on Twitter at Harlander. I'm on. Uh, also have uh, uh, Trekopedia that we've talked about a couple of times during the uh, show well, already take, today. Take a moment uh, for
0: that because this is no small feat, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. What is Trekopedia, and how can our viewers and listeners access that?
1: Um. Well, it's been described as the grand unified theory of Star Trek. Um, I'm taking everything that's ever been published and finding a way to make it all work together. Uh, for the most part, that's relatively easy, but there are a few things where it doesn't quite line up. Uh, and I try to find ways to make it fit. And if it doesn't, it's an alternate universe. <laughs> uh, but, uh. Almost everything I've been able to squeeze in somehow, um, even if in the case of the old FASA RPGs from the 80s, I had to go in and redo the calendar that they used because that was based on the old spaceflight chronology and was off by about 60
0: years. And the, I, I just want to make sure the address is, is uh, clear on this. Did I say that right? Yeah. trekopedia.com
1: Yes, Trecopedia, T-R-E-K-I-P-E-D-I-A
0: dot com. Please, folks, visit this. You have to because it if for anything, it's a great resource. If for another reason, it just shows how much Jeff has just this passion almost at the insanity level for the original series. And that's just something that's a wonder to behold. So I love it. You should go visit it. And it's something that we're probably even going to touch on a little bit more as a resource for this show. So, Ken, for our listeners, how can they get in touch with you?
2: I am on the Babel Conference every day, reading everything. So, please feel free to reach out to me there. I also have my own Facebook page. That's, that's about it for me. I'm a pretty simple guy, I'm not a big social media person, other than my uh my home on the babel conference which is um just just a wonderful place to be a very very good strong respectful place so you can pm me from there as well and uh we'll we'll talk about some things that we're going to be doing shortly uh to play with maybe some of that trekopedia knowledge that that jeff has put together
0: awesome ken thank you thank you jeff and thank you for such a great inaugural show i am sure that our fans even if uh Maybe, you know, if they don't get anything out of it, the one thing I'm sure they will get is how much we are incredibly enthusiastic about what we're going to be doing here. So for all of the fans that have listened so far, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can always find me here on the network or on the Babel Conference, as I've mentioned before. You can find me on Twitter at Norman Lau. That's N-O-R-M-A-N-L-A-O. And finally, and most profoundly, I am a proud supporter of Trek FM through Patreon. That's how I started here on the network. I am so passionate about Star Trek and just talking on this show for the last just a little over an hour has reinforced in me why I'm here and why I'm here for you. Because Star Trek is, it's the person or the entity or the lady that has brought me to this dance. And I am an executive producer here for Trek FM. And that is probably one of the proudest things that I can say for all of you. What we do here, the three of us, we give of our time because we want to make sure that you, our fans, connect with the passion that we have, that you have for the original series and for Star Trek. So, Jeff, why don't you close us out?
1: So thanks, everyone, for listening and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.